give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What is good, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street. Your favorite draft analyst. Favorite draft analyst. The Draft Act. NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Tulba, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert. Garbage time, Gim. Albert, what it do? What's going on, guys? It's um, I'm excited for this one. This one really got me going when I was watching this tape, and I'm ready... I'm really ready to talk about some Dyson Daniels today. I think he's a guy that draft Twitter seems to really like too. So, um, yeah, man, I'm I'm ready to break him down and to hear what you have to say about. Because Corey, I, I don't think we've ever talked about Dyson like even like off like when we we're, were we weren't recording and stuff like that. So I'm 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 ready to go, man. I'm ready. We have not had like a uh, an individual conversation about mr daniel so this is a a fun one and it's one that i think a lot of people are going to be interested in because it's not just like draft twitter that's into dyson daniels like he's shooting up you know most of the the boards too so uh dyson daniels is an australian guard who played in the g league this year uh 19 years old young 19 on draft night he just turned 19 He's listed at 6'6", 200, but he is reportedly, according to Mike Schmitz, who spent time with him a few months ago, and according to Dyson himself, has measured in now at 6'8", with a 6'11", wingspan. So, uh, if that's legit, that's that's a a big-time thing. Uh, I saw him in person, which, you know, I guess we'll talk about in a, a little bit. I don't know if he looked six eight to me in in January when I saw him, but uh, you know I didn't have a measuring tape, so I'll I'll trust his word that that's what he measured in at uh, this year for the G League Ignite. He averaged eleven point eight points per game, six point nine rebounds per game, four point seven assists to two and a half turnovers, two steals, and zero point seven blocks. Shot 46.5% from the field, 30.4% from the three-point line, 60% from the free throw line, true shooting percentage of 57%. Now, if you're just looking on like Tankathon or one of those sites, those numbers are going to differ a little bit, and that's because they don't have the full slate of G League games. We have the full G League slate, uh, slate of games thanks to our friends at Instat. So those were his numbers over his 25-plus game season. Getting into Dyson's stock price, he actually was a preseason um, draft guy. So ESPN had him at 16, SB Nation had him at 22, Bleacher Report had him at 16, Basketball News at 21, Tankathon at 16. That was an average price of 18.2. He came in at 17th on the Draft Act IPO. Currently, ESPN has him at 10, The Athletic has him at 10. Tankathon has him at 12. Basketball News has him at 13. Bleacher Report at 10. Sports Illustrated at 8. The Ringer at 12. No Ceilings at 11. Average price of 10.8. I will be releasing the updated draft rankings next week. Or maybe it already came out, depending on when you're listening to this. So uh, that's on 
feelingsnba.com. So at 10.8, Albert, I ask you, is Dyson Daniels stock price too high, too low, or is it just right? Uh, um, I'm going to say just right. I have Dyson as like a top 10, right around top 10 guy. Um, I think we're going to go through his, you know, he's good and his bad, but I, I, I just think he's right in that area. And I think he's definitely worth a top 10 ish pick anywhere from 10 to 12. No problem. Uh, eight to 10. Yeah, maybe, you know, I could see it. So I have no problem with 10. So I'm going to say just right. Yeah, I agree. It's just right. I have him as a pretty sure I have him as a top 10 guy on my board. Um, on my board in front of me, but he, he's right in that area. So I think this is spot on. Um, and I think as you know, we'll talk about like guys like him, six, eight can do a little bit of everything. You look at the numbers, 12 points, seven rebounds, five assists, like at his size defends, like that's a guy that teams are going to be interested in, in, in the lottery. And he's a guy that it wouldn't shock me if he went higher than 10 or 11 in that range, like a team, uh, and I don't even think it'll be, it would be a reach, but I, I could definitely see a team after five um, selecting him. Cause I think, you know, he's the kind of guy that fits in this modern NBA. So his stock price feels, feels right to me. Now this next part, $10 to invest in these three prospects, this little game that we play mm-hmm. this one, I had a hard time coming up with it because there's not a lot of guys in this draft that kind of fit his same profile, but he is, you know, one of these top 10 to 14 guys. So I figured why not surround him by some other intriguing guys for this segment. So Albert, if you had $10 to invest in Dyson Daniels, I'm going to throw you off here. Malachi Branham and Usman Jang. How would you spend your $10? Because I know you love Branham. This is actually really freaking hard. Yeah, because Branham's a guy that I've liked for a while. I just don't talk about it a lot. Like I know recently people have been jumping on that train and I, I I don't like taking victory laps and stuff like that. I just, he's a guy that really stuck out to me for some time now. Um, This, wow, this is really hard, dude. Okay. I knew this one would throw you off a little. So you know what? Jang is a guy that I have not watched as much as everybody else. So Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to give him two bucks. Okay is how I feel right now because I'm a little hesitant because I haven't watched as much as everybody else as our side has, I think, in my opinion. I think you guys really dove deep in him, so I'm not there yet. I've watched a lot of the early season stuff, and I was like, oh, this is not that great. But everything that I've heard you guys say, it seems like later on in the season he really picks it up, so I'm going to have to wait a little bit on that. So, Jang, I'm going to give two bucks. Uh, God damn. You have eight okay. left? No. Yeah, no, let me be real with myself. I'm going to give Brandon five and mm. Dyson Daniels three because Brandon, I really like Brandon a lot. But I do like Daniels a lot, so I really weighed four and four, but I want to be true to myself and give Brandon a little bit more, so I'll go five and three. I like it. Man, this is this was a hard one for me too because I really like Usman Jang. Yeah. I, and I just – I think he's one of the best passers in the draft, which – is not something that, you know, I think you would in a normal draft probably say with like better guard play. It's probably not something you would you would yeah. say, but in this one specifically, and at 6'10, there's a lot to like. Uh, he, the kid has so much talent, but I'm uh I I'm going to give him 3. 
I'm going to give Dyson three. And then I'm going to give Branham four. I love it. Love it. Yeah. And I think that Dyson, there's a chance. I think each guy has a path to be the most valuable guy out of all the guys I listed. Like I think Dyson like could definitely be a guy that you look at as just one of these connectors who just provides so much value that doesn't show up in the stat sheets at his size with his defensive versatility that like he's ends up being the obvious choice between the three Jang. If he hits, like, I think it, it's one of those things where it won't even like, like we look back and go, Oh my God, how did he slip that far? This was so Mm -hmm. obvious. And it's like it in the moment, it's not as obvious, but he's just so talented. And then Branham, his shot making is just insane from everywhere. And he could play on or off the ball, so you could fit him in any kind of context. Yeah. Um, I know his like rim numbers are are good. Like I mean, his numbers everywhere are good. But I, you know, and we'll we'll cover him soon. But uh, I don't think he puts as much rim pressure uh, on a defense as I'd like. I'd like him to get to the rim a little bit more. Yeah. But uh, the shot making is so smooth and from everywhere. And I just think like that's a playoff guy, no doubt. Dyson too, but a little bit more for me for Branham right now. Yeah. I'm riding the I'm riding the train. All right. <laughs> let's talk about Dyson's game though, because that's who we're here to talk about. Let's talk about the shooting. Okay. How'd you feel about the shooting? Because the numbers three percent thirty percent from three. Right. Sixty percent from the line. We have to remember that the free throw shooting in the G League is weird. It's only one free right. throw. So I don't yeah. I don't even know how they calculate the percentages. Is it just straight up off attempts? Is it like some weird weighted system? I don't know. I haven't looked into it. Probably should. We cover the draft. It seems important. <laughs> uh, we're professionals here. At That's the on us. Um, <laughs> but would you, talk to me about his shooting. Okay. So his shooting, even now, like right now, like at even like watching his tape all the way through, it's a work in progress is how I think we have to characterize his shooting. I don't think anybody can watch Dyson Daniels and be like, this guy is a sniper. That that should not be coming out of your mouth if you actually watch Dyson Daniels. He He's a work in progress. I think, Corey, this is something that you've definitely talked about a lot before, but as I was watching him, I know it's something that you've mentioned a lot when it comes to like guys offensively you can see them processing things, like stuff that they've worked on in an empty gym. You can mm-hmm. see them kind of like che- checking off things like off a list or whatever i felt like dyson daniels as he's shooting he's like checking off boxes on a list there it's very like there are sorry there are like steps to his shot and it feels like in his brain he's like talking to himself as he's shooting um but i feel like over the course of the season that got better and better where he was becoming more natural he was thinking a little bit less but the early season stuff it felt very mechanical his shooting like he was really trying to work on the stuff that like the coaches were telling him in practice he's like really trying to square up to the basket he's trying to keep, he's trying to keep that elbow tucked in like it felt like he was really in his head <laughs> but later on in the season like i like some of the shots that he took off the dribble i like some of the handoff stuff that he was doing he even took like a step back three um again i forgot what team it was that looked really smooth and really good but overall i feel like the jump shot is clearly a work in progress but there are things to like um, I really love the wrist snap on him. Like he really snaps the shit out of the uh, out of his wrist after a shot. Like that follow through <laughs> looks really nice on him. Um, but overall, just 
I think there's stuff to clean up. I, I still think it's not as smooth and natural as it needs to be, but I think he'll get there because if you watch the season from beginning of the season to the end, you can see the progression and the progress that he made, the growth that was there with the shot and how it progressively became more natural. So that should make you pretty excited about the trajectory of his shooting. But right now, as of now, it's still a work in progress. Yeah, I uh, I abbreviated work in progress in my notes. So, uh, But I have work in progress. But the form's good. And yes. over his final 10 games, he shot 41% from three. It was on 3.4 attempts a game. So it's not like, you know, he's enough. Uh, 10 attempts where it's like crazy volume. But it's enough that it's like, all right, like back in the day, that would have been, you know, you're in the 90s. You're putting up three three-pointers a game. You're in the, the three-point <laughs> contest. So, you know, it, it's there. The, I, I'm an eye test guy with the shot. I'm an eye Same. test guy. Same. And to me, it looks good. Now, um, I just edited his film session with Schmitz. And it's not out yet. Uh, but one of the things he said that he was working on because he think he agree he thinks the form is good too. But one of the things he said he's working on is the speed of his release. Mm, nice, and that's that's what goes back to you saying like it felt a little mechanical, right? He's going through the motions, like he's spelling out beef in his head, right? Like, right, like almost. Um, so he's working on the speed of the release because the NBA, like those dudes, close out quick and they're long and they're athletic, and there's another whole speed that he's going to have to adjust to versus the G league, which is already a faster game than what a bunch of the college kids had to work up to. Uh, I think with his shot, the thing that he's going to have to prove is that when teams go under that, he can knock those shots down. Cause I think his catch and shoot shot I think he's got a chance to be pretty efficient with that even early on. Cause again, I think it's, it looks good. And if he goes to a situation where he's sharing ball handling duties and he's playing off ball a little bit, I think that the catch and shoot, I'm not worried about, but teams are going to be like, prove it. Because uh, I don't think he's like, you know, we covered Blake Wesley uh, last week and Dyson doesn't have that same space creation ability like with his handle. He's a good, he's got a good handle. He's strong. He's got some moves, but he doesn't have that like quick bursty, like blow by shifty herky jerk handle. And he's going to use, I think a lot of screens to, to kind of, you know, get into the paint, get his paint touches. And I think he's a good passer out of the pick and roll, which we'll talk about. So like, of course, that makes sense. But teams are going to make him prove it. They're going to go under and meet him at the spot so he can't penetrate. And uh, he's going to have to adjust and and knock that shot down, I think. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And, and it's, cr- it's crazy that you mentioned how he said he needs to speed it up because that's something I also had in my notes that I just didn't write down. Like the process from him bending his legs to releasing the ball, it's a you can visibly see it in the tape how long it takes him to shoot. Like it's a very weird experience, but as you mentioned, like it this like it still visually looks good. Like yeah. the the bones of it are good. So yeah, it's it's crazy. If he speeds it up for sure, I think it can get a lot better. But overall, just the confidence grew as the season went on. So Corey, like you said, I think he's gonna have like I think he he had a good experience in the G League where he's gonna be ready and confident to show NBA teams like oh I can hit a shot. 
You're going to yeah. have to respect this. And then the rest of his game is going to blossom after that. What do you think about his creation ability? So, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I definitely agree with you, man. Uh, the handle is good, right? I, I thought the handle was solid. Um, I thought he, he made big general, strides throughout the year with his handle. Yes, yes. I think in general, he's kind of an upright guy uh, on both ends of the floor, whether with mm-hmm. the ball in his hands or defensively. He's a very, uh, it's so funny. Alex mentioned a giraffe the last episode. <laughs> he's kind of giraffe Like He looks like he's a really well, he's long, got the long neck. And, he's like, got the giraffe neck. Yeah. yeah 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 so he's got the long neck and stuff so he's very upright um but as you mentioned he's definitely going to be living off of a lot of screens i i didn't think the first step was very fast uh the handle he's not a shake shake and bake freaking destroy guys one-on-one off the dribble type of guy nor does he have the jump shot to be really threatening yet right now um i, I think he's going to run a lot of screen and roll and actually at the start of this this pod you called him a connector uh, and that's kind of how I view him. I kind of see him more as a connector, but but if he keeps working on the handle and he keeps developing uh, the jump shot and his and his confidence keeps going up, then there is a world where he could be a secondary creator for sure. Or even actually, I don't know, man, even like actually primary might be steep. I don't, I'm not sure. But um, creation wise, I don't see it yet, but I don't want to say that it's impossible for him either. The bar is very high to be like a primary creator in the NBA. So I don't necessarily see that from him um, because I don't think he's going to have enough scoring equity to where Mm -hmm. you want him to have the ball in your hands. Like I think there's some, some Halliburton to his game a little bit, but Halliburton shot is what opens up so much of, of the rest of his game and although I believe in Dyson's shot, I don't think it's clearly something that he feels as confident in as Alliburton does. And I don't think it's going to be the, the weapon. So, um, but what I do like, cause he's a guy that, like you said, like, he's not going to, I like, I think he could beat the first guy. Like um, even though he doesn't have like a quick first step, cause he's strong and he's smart. And even though he's not shifty, like he does have like, you know, a pretty, his handle I thought was way better at the end of the year. Yes. And it was the beginning where I wrote about him in the first, uh, after the first game and for no ceilings. And I wrote Dyson, uh, Daniel's handle is a bit worrisome. It's too loose. He dribbles too far out in front of his body on crossovers, NBA ball Hawks, like Patrick Beverly or Davion Mitchell won't let him get past half court if he doesn't tighten it up. So I think that, um, that's something he really worked on and improved on mid season where I felt confident his handle by the end of the year. And he is able to get two spots on the floor. And when he gets to certain spots, like in that little, you know, eight to 10 foot area, he's got that float game. Yes. And that yeah. float game is something serious boy. Like, mm-hmm. and I love the, the dribble with your left spin Mm -hmm. over your left shoulder and hit that little floater it's so smooth i mean that is a a legit go-to weapon for him um yes 50 from that in-between floater area per instat and it matches the eye test so Mm -hmm. i mean that's that float game is 
is a good counter for somebody who isn't always going to be able to get to the rim. Right. Right. Well, Corey, I do want to say this. So his floater is actually the first thing that I wrote in my notes. I wrote a great touch on his floater. It's beautiful. It's really, really good. My only concern with that is that he, like Emmanuel quickly in his rookie season with the Knicks, he spams that floater like hell. And one of my concerns is that his mid-range game is almost non-existent. Watching his tape, it was really hard to find tape of him taking mid-range jump shots. It was really rare, where even from like 12, 15 feet out, he's like throwing up floaters, you know? And so um, I'm, I'm with you, dude. I love the touch on the floater. He, he throws him up. He's confident in it. It looks really good. My one area of like another area of growth for him as a shooter, though, is I'd like to see him take some more mid-range pull-up jump shots. Like I just you just really don't see him doing that at all. Um, at according least in to, the G League ac- tape. According to Instat, he took eleven. So, you know, right. That's so that yeah, a half a, pretty accurate. Le- less than half mm-hmm. mid-range attempt a game. Because, yeah. like you said, he'd rather. He'd rather go to the floater. And I mean, you know, 50% on the floaters is pretty good. <laughs> That's a pretty good number. So right. if if he could get to that spot, even if he spams it in the NBA and he's shooting it at that percentage, I think that that's okay. You know, that's yeah. a pretty high percentage shot for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the the comparison there to quickly and how he used it. And I think quickly this year did a good job leveraging that floater to kind of keep teams off balance and you know you you do the like trey young is it a floater is it an Mm alley-oop type thing so i think that if you pair dyson with like uh an elite role guy like a mitchell robinson you know like shout out michael foster um you know we just did a a piece on him but i i don't think he's like that daniel gafford mitchell robinson type role man clint capella that like is just gonna finish everything around the hoop and I think if you pair Dyson with there, he could play it with that, you know, make the defender um, that's on his heels play that cat and mouse game a little bit between himself and and the big. Now, 50% on those little floaters, and he doesn't force a ton of bad shots. He makes the right play more often than not, but 52% at the rim per instat. Uh, and a guy with his size, uh, I think that number needs to improve. Now he's playing against pros and he was 18 for a lot of the G league season. Uh, but ultimately that's something that's going to need to, you know, improve a little bit. There are some flashes. He had some nice flashes for sure. But at the end of the day, is Dyson Daniels going to be a big at the rim attempt guy? And does he need that to be successful in the NBA? No, no, I, I, I'm with you there. Like, I, I just don't think he. Yeah, I mean, he just loves his floater so much, you know. Like, I feel like <laughs> he's gonna go to that a lot. But yeah, for sure at the rim too. Like, I, I don't remember him dunking the ball very much in half court sets. So that's something to think about as well. I don't know how the numbers. I actually haven't been looking at those numbers like you have. Um, maybe I should have. Um, but yeah, man. Like, I just feel like I, I don't know if he'll do a ton of that. But that's okay too, because once again, I'm thinking him at, of him as a connector, a floor raiser type of guy. So, yeah, I mean, but he's already pretty strong. So, yeah, he's I imagine, he's, yeah, he's got a nice build, and I feel like he's only going to get stronger. So maybe that also helps him, and he like 
takes better angles to the rim and you know maybe he even develops a little bit more burst things can change but yeah as of now i i just don't see him doing a ton of that he had a a, a nice follow-up dunk when i saw him in january effortless like i think he's a little bit bouncier than you would expect he had 12 dunk attempts this year he finished 11 and the one that he missed i forgot what game it was maybe against like the canton charge he tried putting somebody on a poster like cock Mm. it back he missed the dunk but it wasn't by that much so like i think he's got some underrated bounce and uh, with that size and that frame, like you said, I think at the rim number has to be a little bit better than 52% in the half court. But, uh, you know, against uh, uh, pros rather than than college kids. So I think that's something that can improve. His passing. What kind of passer is he, in your opinion? Because you said because you, we, we've mentioned connectors. You know, yeah. we, we've talked about, is he going to be a primary? Let's for a second, put him in a scenario where like, you know, he's playing off of a scoring guard. Like, is this a guy that you think could run uh, an offense? I think maybe I think a hundred percent he can. I think he's a good passer. Um, I wrote good passer. Nothing crazy flashy, but can easily run pick and roll, pick and pop and make almost every read out of that. Um, I thought he did a pretty good job of manip- manipulating defenses um, mm. off of drives. Drives. Um, I thought he made great, good reads off of that too. Um, something that I noticed is at the end of the season, he had really developed a nice connection with uh, that guy, Fambo Zhang. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were running like some really nice stuff between the two of them. Some dribble handoff stuff, some pick and roll stuff, pick and pop stuff. And that pop, kid Zang yeah. can really smooth, smooth can really shoot the ball. Yeah, That's dude. Deep. And yeah, and Zang had a couple nice finishes at the rims too. Uh, at the rim too, off of uh, Daniel Daniels's uh, passes. So I, I think Dyson is going to be a guy who, as like a secondary option, is easily going to be able to run pick and roll, pick and pop, and actually do it at like a really high level. Um, he threw some nice hook passes, um, did a good job of like, he he would go to the rim, he'd get blocked off and made the correct reads. He's passing into the corner, passing into the wing, just good stuff overall. So I, I like him as a passer a lot. I didn't see anything like crazy special, but very, very good. And I think that's plenty good enough for, I think what his role might be on the next level. Yeah. He doesn't have like, you know, fellow Australian, Josh Giddy type creativity but he is capable of making some of the same reads even if they're not as like flashy like from the jump like like even his the first game against iowa like he made some really impressive like come off the screen hit the weak side hit pass like those advanced reads that you're looking for so it is kind of something i think that comes a little bit natural to him i think the height and if he's at six eight i mean obviously seeing over the defense helps um and you mentioned like I love his pick and roll setups. Like I love how you know he he runs guys into screens. Obviously, you know you don't have a defender draped all over you or chasing you off the screen as easily. It's easy. To, it's easier to make some of those reads. But yeah, I, I think he's going to be a really good passer. And like I think that his frame leads to some pretty awesome versatility and and how you can use him as a passer either on ball or like you know 
maybe even as a screener eventually where he's making plays out of like the short roll could be fun. The other thing I like is hit aheads a lot. I like, you know, the fact that he's big and rebounds and he can just immediately start the break and get guys going in transition. So I'm a big fan uh, of his passing. And I think like, you know, when you combine that with the fact that he defends, which we'll, we'll talk about in a bit and, and right. the optimism with his shot, that's why we have him so high. That's why he's been riding, rising on board. So we're going to talk about his defense uh, in a minute. But first, let's take a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, your boys are back. And we're going to talk about Dyson Daniels' defense. Where do you rate him in this class as a perimeter defender? At the top. I think he's right up there with, with anybody as a perimeter defender. I I love it. We talked about his strength. He shows it on defense. Corey, you talked about his sneaky bounce. He shows that on defense. As a yeah. help side defender, he blocked the shit out of some shots. And it yeah. was really impressive. Like for whatever he lacked in terms of showing off like highlight dunks, he made up for it with some really highlight blocks. And it was really fun to watch. I thought overall on the ball, he's a menace. Um, I thought his hands could be a little bit more active. That's just my own nitpick uh, on the ball. I thought he could, I, I thought he would poke at the ball a little bit more, but it's cool. Like maybe he's just like super into being a disciplined defender and just staying in front of his man because he mm-hmm. can really stay in front of his man, whether it's a quicker guard. So if he's going against a quicker guard, who's got sick handle, sick first step, yeah, he's going to try his best to stay in front of him, but he does a great job of recovering. He does a great job of using his length to recover. I think he has great instincts. I loved how he navigated screens and pick and roll. Um, on the ball, Like he, he uses size and strength. Last year when we talked about Davion and his chest strength, how he'd put his chest into guys. I, I don't think Dyson's at that level, but I thought Dyson was really good at using his strength to stay in front of his man and to kind of get guys off of that straight line to the basket and kind of, mm-hmm. you know, pushing them off the angle that they're trying to get to. I thought he was great at that. Help defense, I think, you know, like a like a lot of younger basketball players, I thought um, as a help defender, I thought he made the right rotation, but sometimes he's a little bit later than I would have liked. Um, but once again, as a rim protector on the help side, I was like, that's some beautiful stuff. That's the type of stuff that you really want to highlight that you want to talk about because he would come out of nowhere and just absolutely erase some shots at times. Now, was it the case every time? No, but he's also like, what, 19? So he's got a, no. a, a lot of, yeah, there's there's a lot of time for him to continue to develop that. But Dude, on the ball, whether it was a quick shifty guard or a powerful guard or whatever, his versatility as a defender, both on ball and off ball, is what NBA teams are going to fall in love with, especially when we're talking about like the playoffs where the game slows down a little bit and you need guys who are switchable. You need guys who can 
defend multiple positions. You, I mean, look at the Suns and all their wings and why they love their wings so much is because they can guard little guys. They can guard up to like fours and fives sometimes, you know? So um, I think Dyson Daniels, if he really is 6'8", and I'm starting to believe it because he is only 19 and he can grow another inch or two. Who, who freaking knows, right? Yeah. Um, but the guy at 6'8", with that wingspan, with the strength and the footwork that he has, there's a lot to love with him as a defender. Yeah. And the chase down blocks. Sick. Chase downs are sick. And, and it's not just even like, uh, like straight line speed and like the bounce. It's like knowing how to guard two on the break is like really impressive stuff. And, uh, but then sometimes it was the bounce and it was like the impressive athleticism that he has with his frame. So that was, you know, really fun. I mean, you hit on a lot of the defensive stuff. I mean, the kid is like, that's why his value is so high because defensively he's going to be able to guard everywhere and he's going to be able to body up. Obviously he's not guarding the big centers, but like a small ball five, he's going to be able to switch on a small ball five. And you can confidently say he's not going to get worked there. He's going to be able to, you know, guard, like, could he check a Patrick Williams? I think so. Right. And like Patrick Williams is going to start at the four and then he's, he's agile enough to stay with a lot of point guards. I don't necessarily want him guarding, you know, quick bursty point guards full time, because I do think those were the kind of players that gave him trouble, you know, staying in front of them, but it's the effort. It's the, uh, the size that allows him to recover and get back when he does get beat. And it's the discipline to shade his guys to the right spots of the floor. Um, but yeah, it, there's just so much to like. And he's he's an intelligent kid who is still growing into his body. Like you said, like imagine he, he became 6'10". Oh my God. Right? Like imagine he wasn't done growing. Terrifying. If he really is 6'8 and he still had a little right. bit more, that would be sick. But I could just see him in the playoffs. Yes. And that's one of the things that I, like, I'm focused on now. Like, can I see this guy in the playoffs? We talked about this a uh, couple of episodes ago with Kennedy Chandler. And like it's hard to see Kennedy Chandler being like a big time playoff guy. Right. Unless he turns into like the level of shot maker of like Fred Van Vliet. Like that's the kind of shot making trajectory he needs to be on to be a guy in a playoff setting. But Dyson, like he's a guy that could play all over the floor in a playoff setting. Yeah. You know, like I I think, um, and we'll talk about, the comps, I mean, maybe maybe this will be a good segue into that. I think the Bulls really miss Lonzo in the playoffs, obviously. Mm-hmm. And if you're buying stock in Dyson Daniels, who may you have bought stock in previously? One of my guys was Lonzo Ball. The other one of the other guys that I put, Derek White, mm. who uh, I think is a you know somebody that if Marcus Smart is, you know, actually hurt, is going to have to play a big role, I think, for Boston um, in the playoffs. We've seen him have some big playoff moments in San Antonio. Like, he had that run a couple of years ago where he he had, like, that 30-point game in the playoffs, I think, against Denver. And he had, like, a good series, like, um, that kind of came out of nowhere. But, like, his thing is, like, big, switchable defender, smart, makes the right decisions, 
on offense and defense. And like, those are the kind of guys that Dyson reminds me of. And those are playoff guys. Those are valuable. That's why Boston traded for, for him. Cause he's a connector that could help your offense move along the right way. And he's going to be able to play smart, help team defense. A hundred could, I couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't agree with more. My, my thing with Dyson is, as I mentioned before, I just see him as an easy floor raiser. You add this team, you add this guy to your team, and automatically your team goes up a level, in my opinion. And it's not because he's some unbelievable on-the-ball creator. He's not a superstar. He's a guy who can do so many things well for you. So I'll give my comp now too, Corey. And this is a comp that like, I'm, I'm literally most proud of this comp because I think it's the best one I've ever come up with. Um, I see so many similarities between the two games. You talk about a guy who's 6'8", who can create out of the pick and roll for you, is developing as a shooter. Um, he may never become a, a, an elite sniper, but I think he'll shoot the ball well enough. Uh, he's going to be great for you in transition. Uh, defensively, he's going to be able to guard so many different positions. If you think back to the Bulls, and you think about Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, and I, I'm not comparing him to Scottie Pippen, but there's yeah, another guy on that this. team. Yes, yeah. man. There was a big guard on that team that was really important for them and raised the level of that team. Correct. He later, later on went to the Lakers and played for the, and helped them win the 2000 NBA title. I, I think he's Ron Harper. And, and I really think this is like literally my best comp ever because I see so much of Ron Harper in his game when we talk about the playmaking and the defense and the developing shooting of a Dyson Daniels and also like the big six eight physique. You know, it, he's a he's a bigger wing with a nice frame. He's going to be physical with people, but also there's a lot of finesse to his game. You know, he's going to run pick and roll for you. He can run the offense for you in a pinch. You know, if you're obviously teams aren't running the triangle anymore, but, you know, Harper is going to be a guy or sorry, Harper. Wow. Dyson <laughs> Daniels is going to be a guy who's going to he can he can calm down your 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 offense. He can organize things. He can connect things as we've talked about. He can run with your second unit and run your second unit in a pinch. There's so much to Dyson Daniels that reminds me of Ron Harper that. I literally, I like, I, there are other names that I wanted to write down too. And I was like, no, I literally wrote in my comps, Ron Harper, <laughs> comma, done. That's it. He's Ron Harper. <laughs> and, and I, and I hope you clip this one because I'm telling you, the more people watch Daniels, that you're going to be reminded of Harper. If you remember Harper from back in the 90s, 2000, maybe we're told, but yeah. The last dance brought Ron Harper back into oh, yeah. the, the ether of True. the NBA world, you know? So I, I really like that one, man. Ron Harper was a valuable guy, like, you know, because this is a guy who could get a bucket early in his career, like before the injuries, like with the Clippers, like he was a 20 point scorer, so he can go and get a bucket. But like he turned into just like the ultimate role player ahead of his time, too. Yeah. Right. Ron Harper, would he he's he would be awesome in in the modern NBA. And uh, I like that one. You should be proud of that one. That was a good one. And and. <laughs> But and when you look at the context, like I think Ron Harper is like the kind of guy that, you know, you want Derek White to be like that type of player. Right. Like that's that modern big guard. And as we said, like this is kind of the inverse of the Kennedy Chandler episode, like Dyson Daniels is a big ass guard, even at six, six. Let's say he's he's not actually six, eight. And then in the combine, Mm -hmm. he measures at six, six. He's still a big guard. Yeah. Right. Like even at six, six. So he has you don't have to worry about him 
getting picked on in the playoffs. You don't have to worry about a team scheming to run every pick and roll to get Dyson Daniels switched on to whoever the ball handler is. Like you don't have to worry about that. Like the dude is a good defender with the size to switch up and down and not get mismatched again. So I, I think that, you know, this dude can make a lot of teams really happy. Big so time. what, M- what NBA team does Daniels give the best ROI to? Do you have any? I need a second to think about this. Actually, yeah, I have. I have a few. I have a few. And the first one, I think you'll like it. I think the Knicks. I think he's. Everybody says the Knicks need a point guard, and I agree. I, I don't know if their, you know, future starting point guard is currently on the roster. Derrick Rose, I think, is a guy that if he was healthy the whole year, I think the Knicks would have been a little bit more competitive. I think they would have been in the play-in t- uh, tournament. His injury hurt, but Derrick Rose, like that's. Derek Rose at this point, like he might get hurt and, and miss a lot of time. Uh, he can't handle the load of a full season anymore. I don't think quickly is going to be a starting point guard on a successful playoff team. Like that's going deep Agreed. into the playoffs. I think he's a change of pace guard that can run the point in spurts, but is also going to get hot and look for his own offense. And quickly is a guy that even though he's got a good wingspan and he, he plays hard defensively, and I think he made strides. He's not a guy that you can switch up and down a lineup. And I think you could scheme for him in the playoffs and, and pick on him a little bit eventually. Yep. So I think with the Knicks, like if you're going to go point guard, go for a point guard that also fits the bill for big wing, which is something that the Knicks yeah. need, you know, and the, the Knicks have a lot of like one to one and a half position defenders. Yes or positional players. Like they don't have these guys that are really versatile. I guess Cam Reddish kind of fits that bill a little bit, right? Maybe Quentin Grimes. I think RJ a little bit. Um, But you know, most of the guys on the team, like they're one position guys that can't really slide up and down a lot. And Dyson would give them the opportunity to like, he could play next to quickly. He could play next to RJ. He could play next to Grimes. He could play next to Deuce. You know, he could play next to whoever um, and in a pinch, he could probably be your small ball four if he's, you know, measures out to be six, eight. So I think he could fit all up and down the lineup. And I think at, at the Knicks spot, that would be really good value. I think he'd be interesting on the Cavs. Okay. I think Garland, who I love super high on dude, wasn't uh, had an unbelievable year this year. And I, I think I'd rather have a guy like Dyson Daniels playing next to him than Karis LeVert as a backcourt mate. You know, I, I just trust the, I, I trust the defense. It, you could take some pressure and run Garland um, off ball and let him get open and use him in some like Steph Curry actions more than just having him do a lot of the creating out of high pick and rolls and stuff, which could be interesting because Dyson can, run your offense as a secondary creator right. and he's helping your defense. And then you add a defensive lineup with Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Dyson Daniels, Isaac Okoro. Sick. That's sick. That's pretty good. So, you know, so I love the Cavs and then either via trade up or if, if for some reason he were to drop on draft night, I think next to Jalen green in Houston, like mm. that's the kind of, that's the kind of point guard that like I want playing next to Jalen green. I don't want Kevin Porter jr. Right guard playing next to Jalen. I want a guy who is positionally big can run the offense a little bit, but doesn't need the ball enough that he's going to take it out of Jalen's hands a lot of the time. 
So I, I thought those were three interesting spots for, for Dyson. Okay. I, I have a couple. Um, I was thinking uh, I'd like to see him play next to Dame Lillard. I think that's mm-hmm. an interesting fit, right? Yeah. I think that would be a pretty cool one. Um, I was even thinking like the Wizards, put him next to Bradley Beal. Could be interesting. If he mm-hmm. dropped a little bit, like he would have to drop a lot actually, but if he ended up at like 16 or whatever to the Hawks, I think he'd be a really good guy to put next to Trey Young too. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think overall, like I think the idea that we're getting to is like he's a jumbo wing who you want to be as a, who you want as a secondary playmaker. So put him next to a primary small guy seems to make sense and balance things out. So I'm definitely there with you, man. Yeah. And like the Trey one that makes a lot of the same, like a lot of the same reasons you would want him next to a guy like Garland. Um, but again, but honestly, he's a guy that could go anywhere. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's one of the selling points. Like he fits all the teams. So talking about selling points, it's time for America's favorite segment. And Whew. based on our, based on our recent demographics, a decent amount of Canada and Australia, um, also their favorite segment. We're talking about it's time for Albert to sell this pen for Dyson Daniels. Here we go. <clears throat> With Dyson Daniels, it, it's as simple as this. If you are trying to build an NBA title winning contending team, you need guys who can play defense and play it well, but also are versatile about it. You want guys who can guard multiple positions. That's kind of the name of the game right now. If you look at the top contending NBA teams, they've got guys who can guard multiple positions, right? Uh, Dyson Daniels is going to be a guy who I think from day one is going to be able to guard multiple positions. He's a guy who's got a good handle, can run you run your pick and roll, no problem. Pick and pop, no problem. He's a connector. He's going to move the ball well. Offensively, he's developing as a shooter. If you watch his G League tape, you've seen him grow as a shooter throughout the season. As Corey mentioned, his handle improved throughout the season. There's so much to like about the trajectory of his offensive game. Now, is he a finished product on that side? Absolutely not. But because his defensive ceiling is so high and also his defensive floor is already so high that you can offer him the time to develop on that offense. And already the offense is not a nightmare. There are good bones there. So, Once again, if you're a team looking to build a contender and you want guys who can guard multiple positions and give you some juice offensively with the ball in his hands, then it's it's it would be crazy to me for you to pass on a guy like Dyson Daniels because he's an immediate floor raiser of any team he goes on. But especially if you're a team that's dreaming about winning the title sometime soon. You redeemed yourself from from last week's debacle with Blake Wesley out. Uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. <laughs> Look, I, we knew you had it in you. Shoot or shoot. You got to get the volume. You know, volume shooter is going to hit yeah. some. You're going to miss some. Yeah. Sometimes you go cold, but you got to get got to keep shooting. Short memory. You know what I mean? Damn this sure. is a really fun episode um, mm-hmm. because even though one, like you said, we haven't really talked about Dyson much. He's just a guy that it's so clear that in a draft like this, that there are some question marks, even though I'm a little more confident in this draft than others seem to be. Same. Dyson seems like one of the shorter hits in this draft. And I think that he's going to make a team really happy um, for taking him. Even if it is a team where you find a Josh Giddy situation and a team swings on him at six, I think, you know, that team will still be happy with the return on investment that they get. So 
Albert, tell the people where they can find you on the World Wide Web. Uh, you can find me at Alberto Gim uh, on Twitter is where you'll find me. I'm I'm working on some stuff for No Ceilings right now. Going to try to pump out an article. Actually, by the time you you are hearing this, my my article might already be out or whatever. Um, so yeah, before I go though, did want to give a special shout out to my boy Ray on, um, I'm actually wearing the sweater that he made, uh, from his collection. His, his brand is R Rose, uh, Rose because his mom's name is Rose, but wanted to give a special shout out to Ray. And, uh, I promised him that I'd wear, uh, his sweater on a pod one day and here I am wearing his sweater. So did want to give a little special shout out to Ray. Um, and, um, yeah, that's where you can find me. And, um, this was a really fun one, dude. Shout out to Ray. Double it. Two episodes. <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. Um, you can find me at Corey Tulliba on Twitter. You can find my YouTube channel at the NBA Draft Dude. You can find No Ceilings TV on YouTube as well. Uh, we got episodes of On the Clock with myself and Rucker. A lot of, you know, I think Rucker probably put up almost every prospect's like highlight videos up on the channel. Uh, we got all of the podcast episodes up there so you can watch or, uh, you know, watch the podcasts of No Ceilings podcast. Um, you can watch the Draft Act podcast, full episodes on the uh, No Ceilings YouTube channel. Subscribe to NoCeilingsNBA.com. It's free. It's draft season. So, like, the coverage is just going to be on fire. We've hit just about every prospect. I think we hit every prospect in our top 80, and now we're going beyond so, and we're going to start hitting the big boys now that we've covered everybody. So that's going to be really fun. And uh, as always, subscribe to the Draft Act podcast mm-hmm. anywhere. Podcasts are available. Leave a rating and a review. Albert gave you the five star sell me this pen. So I don't, you know, you got no excuse not to give us a five star rating if you haven't yet on Apple or oh, yeah. Spotify. And uh, we will be back next week to cover yet another prospect from the 2022 NBA draft. And we got some fun, fun episodes coming up as well that are, are not, you know, little, little out of bounds from, from what you're normally used to. So it's going to be a fun draft season. I hope you come and enjoy the ride with us. We'll be back next week until that time. We out. Peace.